This is Bill Marshall recording from Pushing Against the Grain, Chapter 10, Allowing versus Pushing. For thousands of years, we have been taught to be strong. I think of the image of Sisyphus pushing the huge boulder uphill for eternity, only to have it rolled back down each time it reaches the top. This is a quote. Then I witnessed the torture of Sisyphus as he wrestled with a huge rock with both hands, bracing himself and thrusting with hands and feet. He pushed the boulder uphill to the top, but every time as he was about to send it toppling over the crest, its sheer weight turned it back, and once again towards the plain the pitiless rock rolled down. So once more he had to wrestle with the thing and push it up while the sweat poured from his limbs and the dust rose high above his head. End quote from Odysseus, Book 11, 593. For me, this is the perfect representation of pushing, meaning control, and the futility it brings, in other words, pushing against the tide. I prefer the image of a river reed that flows with the current, swaying right, left, forward, and back. It flourishes by going with the flow, allowing the river to push and pull in whatever direction it desires. Its roots deepen and its greenery grows taller and better able to absorb the sun's rays and the river's strength. Consider the river stone. It is locked in place, forever doomed to fight the flow until it is whittled down to the size of a grain of sand and is washed away. Nature is full of such examples, and yet we ignore them, preferring instead to keep our noses to the grindstone and believing that the idle hands are the de devil's workshop. When I first shared my cancer with others, this is what I heard. Be strong, Bill. You got this, Bill. If anyone can beat this, you can. You're the strongest person I know. As much as I appreciated all the support, I'm saying to myself, no. I am the River Reed. I am not going to struggle against this. I immediately went into gratitude to my body consciousness and to my cancer it created. I understood there was a critical communication it was attempting to impart. This is what Elias has to say about pushing. Quote, pushing creates that expression of impatience of not allowing, and generally speaking, you may want to engage in action, but you may not feel entirely motivated to do it. There may be many different reasons as to what influence that feeling that you may not initially be motivated to engage a particular action. It may be that you do not entirely trust yourself or that you are not entirely acknowledging yourself. But there is a persistence that you want to do this action and therefore you may actually choose to override the hesitation or override the resistance 
which is the discounting. Therefore, you are overriding that discounting of yourself and moving into the action regardless to allow yourself to accomplish. When you are pushing, you actually genuinely do not want to engage in action and you are forcing yourself to generate it regardless and there is no satisfaction in that. When you accomplish the action, you are not satisfied with it, for it was moving in a push, in a force. You did not actually want to engage it. It wasn't genuine to you. It may not be in alignment with your own guidelines, and you knew that, whether you define it to yourself or not. You are expressing that to yourself in your own communications. For your emotional communication is telling you, this is the message, you do not want to engage this action, end quote. I have learned over the past 30 years that God, the universe, all that is, or whatever you prefer to call God, is truly disposed to give us what we want, and we get exactly that, even if it is horrific. Think of it this way. Anthony Hopkins does not judge himself for the role he plays as Hannibal Lecter. God judges nothing, including what we want or what we choose, consciously or unconsciously. From God's position, it's all neutral, for she is focused on our authentic self. We have been given, after all, free will, if you believe that the Bible is revealed truth, it does not say, I have endowed you with a little bit of free will. It says, I have endowed you with free will. For my purposes, it is easier to substitute choice for will. I have also heard that struggle makes you stronger as though the whole purpose of life is to see who is the strongest in fighting the river. It is the river reed and not the stone that wins the game. When I first received my diagnosis, I immediately went into river reed mode, which I will address further later in the book. Acceptance comes into the equation when we choose allowance. Keep in mind that allowance refers to expectation that what you desire is on the way, but does not require liking or not liking. The trouble most people have with acceptance is their belief in a mechanistic universe that could care less about how you think, why you think, and what you choose. Sticking with this paradigm of the past several thousand years no longer works and cancer continues to flip us the bird. Elias gives us the analogy called the straight little sapling. Here I quote him. I will give you a small story which you may contemplate through this week. In this, be thinking of belief systems and of connections. My story incorporates two saplings, both exactly identical, 
both newly growing, one growing naturally and reaching towards the sun and basking within its rays and drinking naturally of the rain and resting to the moon. The other is looking around and is viewing the sky and is seeing the sun and is saying to itself, maybe I should be growing at night. The sun's very hot. It may burn me or it may sap my energy and the rain is very wet and it gets all over me and I am not sure I am liking of this rain and I am not sure that it is making me grow properly. And maybe I should be investigating where this sun is coming from and I should be analyzing the sun rays to be sure that I am incorporating the proper vitamins or maybe the moon is more friendly to my growth and I would grow taller if I am growing at nighttime. While this idiot sapling next to me is being stunted by the sun. And in the morning, the one sapling is stretching its newly formed branches and uncurling its soft leaves and growing within complete trust. And the other sapling in the morning is viewing the same sun and is looking at the beautifully formed other sapling and it is looking like this. And here Elias twists his body and face into a grotesque contortion. Now, this story is about belief systems and the noticing of these belief systems. It is also about trust and connection. It also incorporates proper personal responsibility. The one trusting sapling incorporates a genuine personal responsibility and not trying to change or help the analyzing sapling, but as it grows true and strong and trusting, it radiates an example. It shines in its essence as an example to the other sapling, and as the other sapling convolutes itself throughout the day, it notices the straight sapling and it chooses the focus of effortlessness and trust as being easier for it has been shown an example. Therefore, be the trusting straight sapling radiating your example." End quote. Here are a few examples of the difference between pushing and allowance. Johnny is watching the movie Silence of the Lambs. In it, he sees Jodie Foster, but for the life of him, he cannot remember her name. No matter how much he tries, he cannot pull her up her name from memory. This is pushing. He gives up and goes back to watching the movie, and soon after, he remembers her name. This is allowance. Johnny does not realize that by giving up struggling slash pushing, he removed the block from memory. He unconsciously became the River Reed. Sally is trying to contact a dear old friend she hasn't seen or talked to in years. No matter how much she tries, she cannot find her anywhere on the internet. She finally gives up in frustration 
and her friend calls her. The former is pushing. The latter is allowance. She doesn't know this, but it is exactly what she is doing. It is better to do it consciously as it avoids frustration. Those who have difficulty getting pregnant notice that after they give up trying slash pushing, they get pregnant, which is allowing. Finding a hundred-year-old digging bar at the bottom of my sweat lodge is another example. When I voiced my need for a digging bar, I did not stop what I was doing and drive off to Home Depot to buy one. I continued digging, and there it was. I knew it was so much more than a coincidence, but at that point in my metamorphosis, I did not know that this particular coincidence was also an example of allowance as well as serendipity. The following is how I would have dealt with my cancer before and after my metamorphosis, addressing only pushing and being strong versus allowance and trust. First, pushing and being strong. Upon hearing my diagnosis, my first reaction was fear, quickly replaced by the question, why me? The why me question is tinged with lingering religious beliefs that says, I've sinned in some unconscious way. The mechanistic beliefs was as random as which egg and sperm came together to form me. After getting over the shock, I went into push mode. I tried to figure if it was my diet, which I would change. Kale, here I come. Goodbye, Twinkies. Hello, pharmaceuticals. The stronger, the better. I'm strong. I can take it. Maybe I can get an extra three years of life. Maybe five. The drugs may be worse than the cancer. But if I can run 20 marathons, I can weather many months of drugs. I'm tough, and everyone knows it, but I am going to pray to God to heal me. I hope he listens. Now, let's look at how I addressed cancer 30 years into my metamorphosis. First, allowing and trust being aware of body consciousness being responsive to and reflective of my inner subjective state, I understood it was not an external or internal attack. So when receiving my diagnosis of stage four metastatic prostate cancer, I did not freak out. I did not concern myself with how many years I had left I did not say, why me? I did not think I will need to be strong. I remained in a calm, collected state. Since I strongly believe that the body is a perfectly tuned communication device, I wondered what I had missed previously that I would have to create such a powerful message to myself. I knew the answer would come to me as long as I didn't push to find it. I know that everything exists as a probability, ready to be chosen 
as long as I do not obstruct its appearance with opposing beliefs. I also know that there is great strength in mass beliefs, and so I agreed to accept my oncologist's recommendation of two drugs, one a monthly shot and the other daily intake of four pills, both designed to kill off testosterone pr production, which feeds prostate tumors. Other suggestions such as radiation and bone density shots I rejected. My desire was for healing and so I opened myself to it and saw it as already done. My daily prayer was one of gratitude and not begging. In addition, I told my body consciousness that it was about to experience an onslaught of powerful drugs. I thanked my tumors for doing their job and that they had two choices. They could leave immediately or slowly, that the first option would be the least difficult for them. The second option would starve them to death. I began feeling better immediately after my first treatment, which was an injection of the testosterone antigen blocker Firmagon and the pills Extandi, another testosterone antigen blocker taken every day. My trust in healing, however, was not without doubt. It stood at about 90%. If it were 100%, I would still need to get the communication it was trying to deliver. I agreed to the medication as a stopgap measure until I could discover and then address the communication. I knew it would come, but not when or how. This is where my trust went to 100%. The healing was on its way, which is why I felt so much better so quickly. I'll get into the how later, but this is how it began with trust and allowance and not through pushing and being strong. I did not need to be strong, whatever that meant. I was already strong. End of chapter 10.